And I start every seminar or every talk that I do with what everybody wants to hear. And I don't have the answer to that, because everybody wants to hear, when will I get my Lebowski? And that I don't know. I already said that since February. So we come up with a solution. I don't know which one it will be. Probably it will be, maybe, that's typically Dutch, to make a combination that nobody likes. I think I got 20 or 30 emails. Oh boy, what do we do now? We don't know yet. We don't know. This is a question for the next uh, uh, project. We also have the license for Bride of Pimbo 2.0. Okay, any more or are we good? You know, I often get asked by people, how do you find content for a pinball podcast? How do you talk about pinball on a weekly basis? And even in the midst of what we're all going through right now, where it seems like there aren't any new stories to tell in the pinball world, I disagree. Because I think there are some amazing stories out there that haven't really been told to their fullest potential. And that's what we're going to do today as we talk about Dutch Pinball. Now, we know this company. We've, we've seen them around for years. But what's interesting about the show you're about to experience is I've tried my hardest and to the best of my ability to assemble the story of Dutch Pinball for all of you. And it took hours and hours and hours of reading all the different threads that this company has created over the years on Pinside, on other pinball websites. Remember, this company came out in around 2013, and that's seven years of a story that has resulted in one and a half games. And you would think it would be easy to tell the story of a company that has only managed to get out one and a half pinball machines, but the truth is this, and you're going to see this in the story of Dutch Pinball. Whenever you cover a company that misleads people, that is disingenuous, that lies to people, that also delivers a game that makes people believe again in pinball, that creates magical worlds under the glass like they did with Big Lebowski. That is why the Dutch pinball story is so interesting because it's a story of agony and ecstasy. It's a story of a company who came out of nowhere and reminded people in, in a period in which pinball was getting stale in a period in which pinball was sort of, you know, cookie cutter. They, they marched in with a game that made everybody believe again. And if I had to summarize what this company did to the community overall, they turned pinball fans into fools. And they made fools out of everybody. And they took something that we all loved and they put it in front of us. And it made all of us suspend our disbelief that it could be true, that we could have it, that a company that's never made anything before like this could accomplish what they put in front of us. And so they made fools out of all of us. And you're going to see that. And we're going to read some of our, our commentary, our reactions, our excitement, and then how our excitement for the Big Lebowski turned into agony and pain and years and years of miscommunication to get us to where we are today. And this is the irony of this entire story. This is why this tale continues to go on to this day. Right now, as we are in this global pandemic, the only pinball company that is currently still manufacturing games 
in 2020 is Dutch pinball. Unbelievable story. It, it goes left, it goes right, it goes up, and it goes down. So let's go on a journey now on Canada's Pinball Podcast, and let's look at the history of Dutch pinball. Okay, so the year is 2013, and this is the period in pinball in which Stern Pinball is still the leading pinball company by far. But 2013 is a year that really sees the explosion of boutique pinball. And you're going to hear me talk about the promise of boutique pinball and what it brought to the pinball world. Because at 2013, at that time period, you had an explosion of new companies jumping into the ring, promising pinball magic. Everyone from Zidware to Jersey Jack Pinball was on The Hobbit, right? We were still waiting for Wazis to get out there, and The Hobbit was next. We had Skip B with Predator for only $4,500. We had Andrew Highway talking about Full Throttle, and he was teasing Alien. We had all these companies. We had Wrath of Olympus from Riot Pinball. And it was just this period in which it was exciting. Nobody had been burned yet. Nobody had experienced losing money with a company yet. It was a moment in which we were celebrating the return of pinball and we felt like we were in a new period, a new era of pinball in which because of things like P-Rock and, and the ability to make games quicker now with all the tools and resources available that we were going to see the return of the excitement and the heyday of Bally Williams era pinball. And that was really the mood in 2013. So you have to put yourself into that mindset that this community was eager to see new products. They were willing to accept new companies throwing their products into the ring. And they were also very willing, and this is a key point, the people during this time period were very willing to pre-order games and give startup companies their money without seeing much of a company at all. And, and it really is a phenomenal thing. When you think about it now, we're much more skeptical. We're much more protective. But the only reason we're like that today in pinball is because of this period that all started around 2013. So what happens in 2013? So in 2013, Dutch Pinball is formed by Barry Dreisen and Cohn Hetzel, I think he pronounced his last name. So Barry and Cohn are the first two public figures of Dutch Pinball. Now we will also see that Yap uh, Nayuta will join the company at this early stage as well, but so Barry and Cohn are the first two with Yap and also Phil, you'll hear about Phil, it will be their marketing guy. So it's a very small company at the very beginning. And the, and the plans for Dutch Pinball in 2013 revolve around two titles. The first is Bride of Pinbot 2.0. This is the first introduction of Dutch Pinball to people that they are going to make a kit that will update people's Bride of Pinbots to a newer version of the game. Basically a whole new game. And we're going to talk about that and how they rolled out the announcement of Bride of Pinbot, how they took money on Bride of Pinbot, and the role that Bride of Pinbot 2.0 played in establishing Dutch Pinball as a member of the pinball community, and also the role that game played in terms of financing the Big Lebowski, because these two titles are interwoven in a lot of the decisions that this company makes. And also what's really interesting about it is we start to see at the very beginning, when you look at the pieces of this, 
we start to see that what happens with the Bride of Pinbot 2.0 buyers will ultimately be the same similar type of experience that happens with the Big Lebowski buyers, but only at a smaller scale, okay? Now, when I was doing this show, I have to admit, like, there's a lot of pieces to put together. And I spent hours putting the pieces of this puzzle together for you today. And I hope you appreciate it. I hope you enjoy it. And if I get anything wrong or if there's some inaccuracies, there will be some of them. Because, again, we're talking seven years of assembling a company like Dutch Pinball. So where does it all begin? Where does it all begin? So Dutch Pinball at the beginning. So they announced the Bride of Pinball towards the end of 2013. They may have announced it at Expo. I'm not sure the exact moment in which they announced the Bride of Pinball 2.0 kit. Now initially, let me tell you what their announcement was. And, and, and they came right out of the gates with here is the thing and we want you to pre-order it now. I mean, this is, again, something to keep in mind is that pre-ordering something before a company had shown any manufacturing capabilities, this was pretty commonplace back then, and they wanted your money now to get the project off the ground. So let me read you word for word um, what they were offering when they when they announced Bride of Pinbot. So it was pre-order now and make it happen. The Bride of Pinbot upgrade kit is now available. The full kit contains Dutch pinball software, mini PC, P-Rock controller board, new speaker panel, dot matrix display, high fidelity speaker set, amplifier, installation guide, cables, and miscellaneous. There is only one hurdle to take. We need at least 20 orders to make this happen. As you will understand, we can buy components for a better price if we order 20 than if we order just one. We have set the deadline on this for January 1st, 2014. If we reach 20 pre-orders or more, we will start production. And the full price of the kit, if you got everything, was $1,759, okay? And you had to pay in full. And that was back in 2013. So, so I think the important note here is they're asking people to put up this money. We need 20 orders and then we can get going with the project. Now, 20 is not a lot. And $1,759 back then, that wasn't a ton of money either for people. But it was, it was a risk. It, you were rolling the dice. Now, there was another member on board the Dutch pinball team that I failed to mention that might surprise some of you who don't know the story. And he was one of the most vocal members within the Dutch pinball team. He was on the forums. He was on videos. He was answering people's questions about Bride of Pinball 2.0. He was almost like the spokesperson for Dutch pinball during this period of time. Any guesses who that was? It's no other than pinball designer Scott Denisi. Scott Denisi was on Team Dutch Pinball, and he was the most outspoken a personality around this Bride of Pinball 2.0 kit. And so if you go back and you read, it's interesting, in 2013, Scott Denisi wasn't a member of Spooky. He was a member of Dutch Pinball. And as people start to question the price of the kit, I want to read something that Scott Denisi wrote on Pinside. He wrote, This has been said before, but please keep in mind this price includes the following. A P-Rock controller, a pre-configured PC, complete new speaker panel, new plexi bezel overlay, new sound system including audio amp, a display, all cabling to hook it up, software, the crazy amount of hours that we spent on software, graphics, sound, hardware, R&D, prototyping, etc. 
It's actually a sweet deal if you ask me, said Scott. And we will see Scott make many appearances in the Dutch pinball world over 2000-2014 as a member of the Dutch pinball team. And so the Bride of Pinbot 2.0, that's their big thing. The tagline for this game is it's a whole new game. And Dutch pinball really started to create this sort of fanfare within the community about the potential of what this company could do and how they could reimagine pinball and even reimagine old games like Bride of Pinbot. But there was a problem at the very beginning that they were selling this kit to people. They were showing it off to people before they had fully acquired the license to do this product. And, and that's really an important note because when Bob 2.0 was announced, they did not have all of the licensing agreements in place to legally make the kit. Now keep this fact in mind as it becomes the story of Dutch Pinball throughout the history of this company, that they will announce something they will take money from people on a game or on a product before they have all of the licensing issues in place. It's a little bit unprofessional. If I were to summarize Dutch Pinball's behavior when it comes to licensing, they are a company that would rather ask forgiveness than ask permission. But we'll see as we get to the Big Lebowski when you're working with major studios like Universal, that doesn't fly. And what they did, when and we're going to see it, they started to do a world tour with something that they weren't legally allowed to show. Now, people were starting to catch on to this at the very beginning. And, and as I go through the story of Dutch Pimple, I am going to read commentary from Pinside users who were on board for this Dutch Pinball journey. Because I don't think you can tell the full story of a company like Dutch Pinball. Because I don't think you can tell the full tale unless we surround it with what people were going through. Because the story of Dutch Pinball isn't just the story of the dates and the milestones by which things happened at Dutch Pinball. The real story of Dutch Pinball is how what they did made people feel and what the reaction was from people. And as I said, there's going to be moments of elation and there's going to be moments of agony from people. But for the most part, I think people approach this company a little cautiously. And I want to read what 85Vet Pinside members said when it became clear Dutch Pinball did not have the licensing in place to sell Bride of Pinbot. He said, okay, so let me start out by saying I'm not trying to cause drama even though this may come out this way. But am I the only one that is paid in full that is getting a bit nervous about spending this amount of cash on this and not realizing there were licensing issues? Had I known that, I would have held on to my cash until it was confirmed a go. I thought all that was needed were 20 orders. Seems we were getting a lot of updates about new code ideas, DMD, and then it went dark. I know this is a sensitive subject and I haven't reached out to them about a potential refund yet, but my excitement has gradually started to turn to nervousness. I'm sure we'll hear something soon and that orders start being built the 1st of January as what was originally discussed. So what's really important about what 85Vet is saying here, and it's kind of incredible that way back in 2013, the beginning of 2014, what he was sensing, you could simply copy and paste this kind of feeling and apply it to what people went through with the Big Lebowski. And look at the elements of his concern. He's nervous that they don't have the license. He doesn't want to upset them yet. And we're going to see a lot of that. People's hesitations to rock the boat with the manufacturer. 
He's not sure if he would have gone in if he knew this from the very beginning. He's hesitant to ask for a refund, and he's optimistic that it will all work out. You know, that is the crazy thing about the story of Dutch Pinball is their ability to create all of these competing emotions within the buyer base. People want the stuff. They're excited. They're not sure why things aren't going according to plan. They don't want to upset Barry and Yap. They don't want to get a refund. They want the stuff, but they're starting to wonder maybe they should ask for their money back. Now, we're also going to see through the history of Dutch Pinball how Dutch always responds. Anytime there's a moment in which someone starts to get nervous or hesitate or anxious and publicly states that nervousness, Dutch Pinball is very good at swooping in immediately to put out the fire, to make people calm again. And right after 85 Vet said this, and, and people were starting to respond to it, Cone from uh, Dutch Pinball chimes in and says, all is well, guys. Please don't get nervous. Things like licensing take time, and we have to comply with the wishes of parties involved to keep everybody happy. We hope to update you soon on this subject, as well as the color display upgrade. Still working out the details on that one. We have top men working on it. So there's always this vibe and always this attitude by Dutch Pinball over the years of, don't be nervous, don't be upset, everything's going to be fine. And there's always like a little bit of a swagger and, and joking and jovial nature to how they've communicated with people all throughout the years. Even in the worst of times, they always seem to take it lightly. Like your pain and your questions and your anxiety, it never really seemed to impact them very much. Okay, and so I think it's important to realize is at this point, 2013, early 2014, this sort of licensing spin, this sort of overly optimistic that it's all going to work out, that you already announce your game, you announce your thing you're going to sell for people before you even have the licensing worked out, that also will encourage and give confidence to people like Kevin Kulik at Skit B. Hey, if these guys are doing that, I'm going to go make Predator. I don't, I, I'm sure I've got the Fox license or I'll, I'll figure it out, but let me announce my game first. It really does embolden a lot of the people out there who don't understand that you really can't show anything until licensing agreements are in place. Now, unfortunately for history, this bad behavior, they're not punished for it because they actually end up inking a deal with Planetary Pinball and WMS and they put out an announcement that Dutch Pinball and Planetary Pinball are going to make Bride of Pinbot Bop 2.0. Now, they put out this announcement on March 28th, 2014. I'm not going to read the whole announcement, but it basically goes over everything that will be in the kit that Planetary, WMS, and Dutch Pinball are all in cahoots, and it's official. So that's great. They sort of got a little bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card, and they can make the product that they told people they were going to make. But remember... They, they, they were lucky. They, they did it after the fact. So Barry then emails buyers what they can expect. Now remember, when they first announced this game and started taking people's money, the promise, don't forget these dates because it's really important. The promise was that Bob 2.0 would be available for people January of 2014. When did I just say they announced the licensing deal? In March. So that's January, February, March. Two, three months after people were already expecting to get their product, they announced the licensing deal. 
So we're already delayed. They've already missed the initial deadline they put in people's heads uh, as to when they can expect their product. And, and remember that we're going to see that throughout the history of this company. Now, within the announcement, he announces that pre-orders are now available and the kit will ship in the second quarter of 2014. Now, remember this Bride of Pinbot, we're going to ship it Q2 of 2014. And that is in the press release that they put out. Now, always what you're going to see, and this is throughout the history of Dutch Pinball, before they give you the release date for something, right before it, they always put pre-order now. You can, we'll take your money right now, and here is the date in which we're promising to deliver. Q2 of 2014. And then Barry emails buyers what they can expect. And in his email, he says, I am very happy to report we will soon begin the first production of Bride of Pinbot 2.0. We have finalized the license for the original Williams assets, and we are now integrating them, yes, including the entire original game, into the Bride 2.0 upgrade kit. We have set a cutoff date for the first run of May 1st. Any orders received and paid by that date will be shipped with this batch. Any orders received or paid after May 1st will be consolidated into a second batch, which will be produced once we receive enough orders. Some of the parts may take up to four weeks for us to receive them, so we estimate that we will be able to complete and ship the entire first run by mid to end of June. Okay, so let's deconstruct that real quickly. So the takeaway here, he's still got sort of like the end of Q2 is when he's promising the game. But the important part about this note from Barry at the very beginning is the strategy of Dutch Pinball. We're going to take pre-orders and we're going to make things in batches. And we're going to tell consumers that you're either going to be in batch one or batch two. And depending on what batch you're in is when you're going to get your product. And if you don't get into batch one, you might have to wait a while. Might be four more weeks to get parts. And he's going to use this tactic throughout the history of the company to get as much money on day one as possible because they do a really smart thing in creating that FOMO of, I want to be in the first group to get the games. I want to be in the first batch that's going to get the product. And it really is all meant to drive people to pre-order now. If I had to say what the, uh, the marketing rally cry was at Dutch Pinball throughout the years, it's get them to pre-order now. Don't get them to wait. Don't get them to ask questions. Get them to pre-order now. So he said mid to end of June, he planned on making all the BOP 2.0s, mid to end of June of 2014. Well, production doesn't happen by May 1st of 2014. By July of 2014, owners are getting nervous. Keep in mind, three months of radio silence by Dutch pinball buyers that want answers has happened, right? Because that Q2 date came and went. So this is another trait that will follow Dutch Pinball for years. They will set dates, they will miss those expectations, and they will go radio silent when it comes to communication. Now, Yap will say later on in the history of Dutch Pinball that the reason why they don't do news all the time is in the Netherlands, no news is good news. That if he has nothing new to report, he won't keep communicating with his customers. But as he learns out the hard way, that it doesn't matter and especially when you're past the deadline of when you promise the product, people want to hear from you on a weekly basis. What's, what's the holdup? Where are we at? And he never really does that. They never really embrace that until it's much too late for this company. And the other thing this company will do time and time again is when they know they miss deadlines and they miss dates, 
they don't always put out communications to the community. They will often speak to people one-on-one with email conversations and with phone calls. And what that leads to is on Pinside, this is why it took so long for me to figure out the story and to tell you the proper story is I had to read through all these threads in which basic people are saying, hey, I, I emailed Barry and here's what I got. These aren't official newsletters from Dutch Pinball. They are simple Pinside people explaining the excuses they're getting from Barry over the years. And so when he missed the BOP 2.0 time period, this Pinside user said, first of all, he said, I got this email from Barry a couple days ago. First of all, I want to say sorry for the lack of communication the last few weeks. I just wanted to give you an update on BOP 2.0. It has been quite a complex process bringing together components, talent, and intellectual property from both sides of the Atlantic Ocean. But as you know, Dutch Pinball always wants to be in full compliance with all import and licensing requirements. Remember, he's saying this, that they want to comply with all licensing requirements, and that's why it's taking so long. Don't forget the fact that when they announced Big Lebowski, he broke this promise immediately and started showing a game without the licensing requirements. Don't forget that when we jump forward to Big Lebowski, because it's coming. He then goes on to say, we have done things properly. And I'm happy to say that all the hardware, controllers, software, and licensing decals are being shipped to Dutch Pinball USA in Chicago, where they will be assembled and shipped to you as soon as we can. It's been very good experience for us, and the knowledge we've gained in import-export procedures will certainly help us to improve our process in the future. Now, I haven't mentioned yet the division of Dutch Pinball, and just so you know, there's Dutch Pinball in the Netherlands, And there's Dutch Pinball USA that is in Chicago that was led by Phil. And we're going to hear all about Dutch Pinball USA and how those two entities clashed in in a marvelous way that created a situation no one could have imagined. And that is going to come in this story. But again, the takeaway here, right? You can hear it in how Barry always talks people off of the ledge. He always articulates the issue as this is just making us better. We're so professional. The holdup is because of all the good things going on. I mean, it's amazing the way he does this. And I I will say this. I do consider these gentlemen, Barry and Yop, to be master manipulators. They have this amazing ability to deliver you bad news as if it's good to talk to you months after the promised deadline has come and gone in a way in which, hey, it's all great. We've improved. We're going to be better. This is just going to make everything more awesome in the future. And it's just unbelievable. And we're going to see more and more of that as we go through this story. So here's why this story of Dutch Pinball is tricky to tell in a chronological order because I've taken you down the road of BOP 2.0. And we're now all the way into June, July of 2014, and no BOP 2.0 kits have shipped. Now, something else happened a while back, and I haven't mentioned it yet, and you can guess what it is. This company also announced before 2014, at the very end of 2013, they also announced that they would be making the big Lebowski pinball. Do you all remember it? So they announced on December 27th, 2013, the headline of the press release is Universal Partnerships and Licensing Signs Dutch Pinball as Global Licensee for the Big Lebowski Pinball Machine. Now, I'm not going to read the whole press release, but it's suffice to say 
that this was music to the ears of the pinball community. The Big Lebowski, this cult classic film by the Coen brothers that everybody in the pinball community for the most part loved. It seemed like the perfect theme for pinball and it was just great. It's like here we have this announcement from Universal that Dutch Pinball is going to make The Big Lebowski. No one had seen anything yet. They had an amazing teaser campaign that Phil put together where it was just a machine covered by the rug. And all of a sudden, Dutch Pinball came out of nowhere. And by the beginning of 2014, not only did they have the BOP 2.0 kit, but they had the license to make The Big Lebowski. And everyone was excited. And the world was their oyster at this point. We started to get some details in terms of how the machine would be made. Now remember, so this is the very end of 2013. Machines will be made in the Netherlands at a new Dutch pinball facility with the first units to ship. Get ready for it. The first units were shipping, they said, in the second quarter of 2015, approximately 15 to 18 months away. So are we noticing the pattern? We're going to ship Bride of Pinbot Q2 2014. We're going to ship Big Lebowski Q2 2015. Very, very similar, same time of year, just a year apart. So you have a one-two punch that they promised the community. The cost of each Big Lebowski was $8,500 in the U.S. plus tax. And that was at this time, remember at this time, $8,500 was not cheap. This was the premium price point of pinball machines in 2013. Now, if you're asking yourselves, okay, so they announced this game. Nobody's seen it. At the very moment they announced the game, before you saw anything, guess what you could do? You could pre-order it today. And the way their pre-order worked was they would allow you to pay in installments. And so I want to read for you right now the the deal that Dutch Pinball made with the community in terms of how you could pay for your Big Lebowski, because this is also really important and it's going to factor in into the major issue that surrounds this game in the future is going to be one simple word, refunds. The inability for people to get their money out of this project becomes the overwhelming storyline of Dutch Pinball. But at the very beginning, everyone ran to this game. And what Dutch Pinball said to you in December of 2013 was that we will take your money today. It's $8,500 and here's how their deposit system worked. On or before July 1st, 2014, you owed them $2,500. On or before October 1st, 2014, you could pay another $2,000. On or before January 1st, 2015, two thousand dollars and on or before april 1st 2015 two thousand dollars okay so that totaled eighty five hundred dollars the last payment was due april 1st 2015 remember that date but here's what people did here's what people did because people were so excited because this was a dream theme people paid in full A lot of people wrote them a check for $8,500 and are just like, take my money now. It was that kind of dream theme. And also keep in mind one thing. When Dutch Pinball announced this game in December of 2013, they did not have any distributors lined up. So you were sending money directly to Barry and Yop. You had no protection from a distributor. And that's going to play a big role too in the future in, in terms of who was able to get their money back and who was protected, and who stood to lose everything because their money was tied up with Dutch themselves. All right, so I'm gonna jump back 
to the BOP 2.0 world a little bit in 2014 because it's important to sort of, we're going to juggle a little bit, but you'll, you'll understand it all. It will all make sense. So let's go back to 2014. BOP 2.0 kits have not gone out and owners are starting to get frustrated with the situation. 85 Vet chimes in again and says the following. They have my $2,000 for almost a year now and we get crap updates from them. Just look at the forum on the website. It's a freaking joke. Don't make a forum if you don't want to answer questions on your forum. And then he goes on to say one of the smartest, most insightful things that is actually the truth. And we'll find out later that what he says right here is 100% bona fide the truth. He writes, I just have this feeling that us BOP 2.0 buyers basically funded them to get the big Lebowski started. And now we are being put on the back burner. If it wasn't for my wife, Bob would be gone and I would be canceling my Bob 2.0 order. She refuses to let me dump this since we have so much time and money invested into it without at least getting to play it. Sorry to sound like a whiny little brat, but I've now gotten to the point of just being pissed off about this. Give me my effing product that I paid for last year and was told would be in production in January if enough were made. Okay, so right here, we're going to talk about this more. And this, again, I, I know it's just, it's this is why you have to read the threads. You have to go back and understand the psyche of the people that were on board, that were on the Dutch train. He's starting to get this sense that, wait a minute, why are we waiting so long for our product? Why is, why is the focus now Big Lebowski when they haven't even made the first thing they announced? Doesn't it sound familiar? Didn't John Papaduke? Didn't he announce Magic Girl, take money for it, not finish it, and then make another game called Raza? And this pyramid scheme, this Ponzi scheme of money coming in isn't going to make the thing that the money came in for? That the money coming in might be used to make the next thing? And then you put the first buyers on the back burner? We're seeing this. And you're going to see this throughout my analysis of Dutch pinball is that this type of behavior, this type of misleading of the buyer, it doesn't matter which company you look at. They all mislead and do this disingenuous behavior the same way. It's the same racket no matter where you look. And we're going to talk about that more. Now, in typical Barry fashion, he talks the whistleblowers off the ledge. As I was saying, they always have this ability to masterfully manipulate people who start to get anxious and want out. And he promises behind the scenes conversations with people that everything's going to be all right. So ultimately, he ends up communicating with 85 Vet. And then 85 Vet posts this following what we just read from him. He posts, update, I had some off the forum conversations with Barry in regards to Bob 2.0. I will not post the full conversation as that would be in bad taste since it was a private conversation. But I did ask if it was okay to post the main item of our conversation of which he was good with me doing. So I will. Barry has advised that they have a goal to have these kits shipped by Expo. He's also advised that as of now, things are going according to plan. And the goal now is he's pretty confident they will hit. Looks like we have a bit over a month longer to these go out. While not ideal, I'm happy to know what the plan is, and if the timeline is hit, I will be happy. I ask that if something came up, that I would be more than happy to keep you all posted. If I hear otherwise, I'll let you know. 
Now, the fact that he's saying if it happens, it's going to happen in a month, this means this guy's being talked to in August, September. Still no kit. But do you see what Barry does? Do you see how he gets these guys who are pissed off, who are angry, who want out? He gets them to fall back in line. And then they write this stuff on Pinside. And the other people that are skeptical, they read stuff like this. And they also continue to stay on the train. And it's an incredible ability to manipulate these highly educated men who are fans of pinball. What did I say at the beginning of this episode? That this company turns fans into fools. They made fools out of all of us. And it's unbelievable because you know why? Because they pry on your love of pinball. And they know you just want this stuff so bad that they're able to miss deadlines by a year. And then I love it too, the way this guy is almost like, I don't know if I should post it. And he, like you're asking Barry permission to communicate what he said. Why does he get the benefit of the doubt when he's already lied about when the game would be ready by almost a year? Just to give you another example, there were two, there were two other Pinside members and one wrote, what if anything did he say that would lead you to believe that this target date is any different than all the previous dates that have come and gone with nothing but silence from them? And then another Pinside member, A. Warner, chimes in and says, I emailed Barry and he wrote back and told me that the pre-expo ship date that 85 vet posted above looks good and that things are on course for that to be a reality. I feel a lot better now. Okay, so here we go. It's going to be out by Expo of 2014. Remember, this game was first promised in January of 2014. So listener of the show for Canada's Pinball Podcast, how much do you want to bet that BOP 2.0 is not out by Expo 2014? Can you, can you see what I'm doing? I'll bet you a billion dollars that they don't get BOP 2.0 to customers by Expo 2014. You won't have to wait to see if this bet comes true or not because right on the eve of Expo 2014, two things are about to happen. So we know that the Big Lebowski is going to be shown right around this time period. So it's going to be shown first in Europe and then it's going to make its way to Pinball Expo in Chicago. And so the world is anxiously awaiting the reveal of the Big Lebowski and to see to see just what Dutch Pinball does with this theme. Now, right before Expo 2014, Barry also sends out an email because he knows he promised everybody Bob 2.0 by Expo. And here is what he says in that email. He says, I know you're awaiting anxiously for an update. So here it is. We had difficulty in acquiring two very important components for the kits. But as of today, all of the parts are now in our headquarters in the Netherlands for building the EU kits. And nearly all of the parts for our US and Canadian customers are in our US office. One of the two components was paid several months ago, but not delivered until last week, despite repeated emails. We have tried to get the kits out before Pinball Expo, but unfortunately, we won't make it. We are very busy finalizing everything to make it happen. And of course, we also had some extremely busy weeks preparing the Big Lebowski prototypes for Expo. After Expo, our number one priority will be finishing the BOP kits. As you can see in the picture above, it's just a matter of putting them together and shipping them. We really apologize for the unexpected delay 
and have added some cool Dutch pinball extras as a thank you for your patience, Barry Dutch Pinball. Okay, so they missed another date, another deadline. Let's summarize up to this point in the history of Dutch Pinball, sort of as we get to the end of 2014, let's look at their pattern of behavior in a little bit of a Canada bow tie. Number one, they announce something with a promised date. Number two, they take your money right away for that item before they have built a single one. Number three, they run into unforeseen complications. Number four, they miss the date. Number five, they miss the next date. Number six, to avoid panicked customers, they go radio silent. And number seven, they'll speak to a few customers behind the scenes, calm them down, and get them to calm the masses down. Now, we will see this behavior throughout 2013, 2014, even into 2015. And we see this behavior time and again with other companies like Highway Pinball and Skip B where they will, they will actually take their most enthusiastic supporters and get them to be issues in crisis management for them. We can't forget how Andrew Highway totally manipulated someone like Hilton, and so did Kevin Kulik. Both of those guys, they got Hilton, you know him as Wise Snow. Remember how they manipulated him into being the biggest cheerleader for those companies? Even when those companies were clearly doing things that were inappropriate, that were sometimes illegal, where they were lying to customers left and right, as long as they had Hilton constantly championing for the game, he was really silencing all of the people that were skeptical, that were saying, maybe we should rethink this. Maybe we should get our money out. It's the same behavior that Barry utilized as well. Let's take people, manipulate them to become cheerleaders, and they'll silence any skepticism people have. So two weeks after Expo, there's still no BOP 2.0. People are getting frustrated. We hear from people again. Uh, they're missing deadlines. Now look, they finally do end up getting BOP 2.0 out in early 2015. And the kit arrives, and the kit's actually satisfactory to most people. It has a color DMD. Initially, it was supposed to be just an orange DMD, but they made it color. And there's a few issues with it. There's some kinks with the, with the system. It, I don't want to go too much into BOP 2.0 because not that many people bought it. It's not really the story you want to hear with Dutch. The main issue, if you go back, as I did, and read over and over and over threads about it was that when you were playing BOP 1.0, it would mess with the sound and there would be sound lag and switch lags and there'd be issues with playing the original game once you installed the Dutch kit, okay? But they, they delivered on it. Even though it was really delayed, even though they missed so many deadlines, they got it out. Now that's another key thing to remember. As long as you eventually ship something it makes people get back on the train. All right, so we're done with Bob 2.0. I, I, I'm glad we can put it to bed because now we can get to the main event, the big Lebowski, because this is really the heart of the Dutch pinball story. And what happens with the big Lebowski reveal? What happens with the production of it and the manufacturing of it? What happens with the licensing issues? This is a story worthy of a movie. It's a story worthy of a Netflix documentary. It really is. This story has so many ups and downs, twists and turns. It took me hours, hours to try and piece this story together for you. So I'm going to do my best. And again, as I said, 
I don't think I'm going to get much stuff wrong because I, I have spent a long time on this and I hope you enjoy it. And thank you for listening to Canada's expose of Dutch pinball. So the Big Lebowski, it's revealed to the world in Europe on September 27th, 2014. If you remember back then, there was a great teaser campaign that Phil put together and this the buildup of this game was awesome. It really was like unlike any other pinball launch we had seen up to this point. And so it makes a huge entrance after this European reveal. It then comes to Expo. Now, Expo is the moment in which everyone really sees the game for the first time. But I want to go back because this is actually one of the greatest periods in the story of Dutch pinball in terms of creating enthusiasm and excitement. And there is no denying the fact that when they pulled the rug off of this machine, that this machine blew people away. And I am going to simply read to you the excitement that people articulated when they saw the Big Lebowski for the first time. And I'm just going to go through a series of a series of people's reactions. I won't use names. I'll just say their reactions. I'm going to use one person's name because it'll be funny. So the first person says, Pinball is back. Just amazing. Again, these guys are handling this whole thing so well. Complete game, but not playable, so people can't draw false conclusions from playing a prototype with incomplete software. Brilliant move. I love the playfield art. 20 songs, call-outs, and clips from the film. Judging from what we have seen, this will take pinball to a new level. All those 90s games just became old. Finally, we move on. The next person says, unbelievable, blown away by this machine. Dutch pinball is the new standard of excellence and I don't have to play it to know it. The next user says, this thread has sold me on this machine. I am pre-ordering this weekend. The next user, Dutch pinball's timing and marketing is spot on. They just left those walkers in the dust. Now that's referring to the fact that Stern had The Walking Dead as their main title when this game hit. The next pin side user said, holy SHIT, this knocks Stern LE models out of the park and then some, wow, same money and look at the difference, a paradigm shift. And it really was. This game made Stern LEs look like tinker toys. It really did. Upper playfield, lower playfield, all of the cool toys in it, right? The theme integration blew everything away. The next person said, holy crap. JJP and Stern better poop their pants. This is pinball. Damn, I was not even in, but now, damn, more dollars. And then finally, and I said I was going to name names. This is from Rare Hero. Now, you know Rare Hero, Greg Colton. He was one of the most excited fans of Dutch pinball. He was in on Bride of Pinball. He was the first order they got for Bop 2.0. He was one of the first orders for Big Lebowski. He wrote, because he again, this I think this just captures how excited these guys were. He wrote, remember when they were saying JJP was going to be the new Williams? Nah, Dutch is officially the new Williams. Unbelievable. And look, they were right. They were accurately expressing how everybody was feeling. This game, and I've said it, it's 2020. To this day, no game has been a more incredible world under glass, has had better theme integration from a movie people love than The Big Lebowski. This game, to this day, seven years, six years later, it still embarrasses every single game from Stern and Jersey Jack Pinball when it comes to integration, when it comes to creativity of mechs, when it comes to giving you everything you want from the license you love. 
there were it it didn't feel like this thing had any any corners that were cut. And here's the thing I'm going to say. And I am going to say a lot a lot of things about Barry and Yop that are not positive. I'm going to say a lot of things about what this company did that were disingenuous, that were fraudulent, all these things that they did. But I will say this, and I think this is something to remember, because to me, this is one of the most unfortunate sides of the Big Lebowski story. And it's something that we can easily overlook. This is one of the most unfortunate sides of this story because, you know, so much of what we focus on is the missed deadlines. It's the the lies, the manipulation. It's the fact that people couldn't get refunds. But here's the other extreme tragedy to pinball that happened with Dutch pinball is that Barry is one of the greatest designers in the history of pinball. This is Barry's dream. And he made a game that I think blows away almost everything I've seen from all these other designers, both past and present. And we don't really talk about it that much, that this thing came from the mind of Barry. And I know Barry's still there, and he's still kicking. But the biggest thing that I think hurt Pinball, other than all of the issues with the money, was that we never got more games from the mind of Barry. And if he could do this in his first attempt at making Pinball, Right? Remember, this is his first attempt at making a pinball game, and look at what he gave us. This blows away the first attempts of Keith Elwin. This blows away the first attempts of Scott Denisi. This is on par, if not better, than Pirates of the Caribbean from Eric. This game is amazing. We've now, six years later, and we'll never get, possibly ever, another game from Barry. And to me, that's that's the real other side of the story we never talk about, is that we just will never get pinball machines from a man who is far more capable of making pinball magic and a world under glass and putting the theme into the game the right way. This is everything we've always wanted. And that's unfortunate that one of the most creative men in the history of pinball is also kind of a crook. And you're going to see that in, in terms of how he misled people. It sucks. It sucks. Is it similar to J-Pop? No way. I think Barry's way more talented than J-Pop because Barry made this game. He made this game with just a handful of people. Not a lot of people. Look what John did when he was making his own game, his own project. He released a crappy game. He can't make games work like this. There's so much more creativity. There's more creativity in The Big Lebowski than in all of J-Pop's Zidware creations. You remove Zombietti artwork, from John Papaduke's Zidware company, and you've got nothing there. There's nothing there. There's nothing that works. There's nothing creative, but we, we're not going to go down a Zidware path. We might have to do Zidware at a later date. So we see the game. The other thing to keep in mind when we talk about Pinball Expo 2014 and Dutch Pinball is how they handle themselves at Pinball Expo 2014. These guys rocked into Expo like Guns N' Roses, like Axl Rose. They had a swagger about them. They had a confidence. They had a bravado that people weren't used to. Not only did they march in with a banner and these prototypes, and they had booth babes that were dressed like women from the Big Lebowski, these sexy outfits. They had big banners. They, they walked into a seminar, and, and Phil did most of the talking, and he was dropping F-bombs and this and that, and they were firing nukes at Stern in Jersey Jack. And for the most part, while that did put off some people, the cockiness is a word I, I read over and over. How can these guys be so cocky? But the truth is, 
their cockiness was backed up because they did march into Rome with this product. And they had a VIP event up in the penthouse in which they invited people to play the game. Because remember, the games on the floor weren't playable, but up in the penthouse, people got to play the game. And I will say this, you need to go on YouTube and you need to watch Todd Tucky crash the VIP penthouse party of Dutch Pinball at Chicago Expo 2014, and you will get a great sense of what the vibe was like. These guys were like rock stars, right? They partied to four in the morning. Everyone's drinking Kahlua, white Russians getting drunk. There's there's women in the room, which is rare for a pinball, a pinball party, as we all know. The games were there, and people were loving them. And then this, it just, it created this mystique of you wanted to be in the penthouse with Axel, right? With Barry and Yop. And you wanted to get your hands on this thing that just blew everything else away. And it did. It Again, you have to remember at this period, this was probably the hype of people's happiness and excitement and enthusiasm for the Big Lebowski, which was Expo 2014. The reason why I'm saying that is all of this hype and all of this like goodwill and all of this excitement, it's about to go out the window in a vacuum before the year is up. October, November, December, this thing blows up in their face within a couple months and we're gonna talk about what happens right now. So coming out of Expo, it gets weird really fast. And one of their members decides that he's had enough and he wants to leave Dutch Pinball and that is Mr. Philip Weinberg, the marketing director at Dutch Pinball. He sends out an email to people who are in on the game, and I wanna read you what Phil writes. He says, as of November 1st, I have decided to part ways with Dutch Pinball. I made this decision for personal reasons and not because of health issues. So Phil, so you know, has been suffering from cancer, and so that is one of the things people knew in the community, so that's why he said that. He says, as many of you know, I have been a professor of marketing and a marketing consultant for the majority of my adult life, working in the U.S. military with the Swiss government and for many profit companies and not-for-profit companies. But the hardest, most creative, and probably the most effed up job that has been here with you. You pushed me to set the bar high. Thank you. Now, this didn't go unnoticed. You know, Phil Departing was a little bit of a red flag, and some people were picking up on it. And you know, you know this guy, Jared, over at Stern? You know, Jared's social media guy? Well, back then, Jared wasn't working for Stern. He was just a fanboy who would run around to different shows and, and film seminars live for people. So Jared chimed in and said, this is puzzling and sad to hear. Two weeks ago, Phil contacted me privately to invite me to the Houston show and attend a VIP party as his guest. He talked excitedly about what's coming and how the next game will really blow people away. The way he talked would not indicate he planned to leave the company anytime soon. So this is quite a shock, sorry to hear. Pinball needed a guy like Phil. Following Dutch Pinball from Expo 13 to now has been a fun ride because of his imagination and vision. And then once again, as people start to get nervous that this guy's departure looks bad, Barry starts to have emails off to the side with people to calm them down. And one pinsider writes, I just got off the phone with Barry. All is good with the dude. Phil was only a marketing person. That's it. They are working on getting a newsletter out and will be filling the marketing role with someone else. 
I was sent my confirmation receipt. Finally, no effing worries, dudes. You see the tactics here that they use? Don't worry about him leaving. Here's a receipt for your game. Stay on board. Stay on the train. Don't ask for refunds. Don't listen to what this guy says. All is well. And he was able to like create that sort of vibe amongst everybody. I want to read for you two things that some very prolific Pinside members said. Oric Lawson, who you know Oric, he was art director at Ars Technica. Uh, he did the artwork for Aliens. And we, look, I've gone back and forth with Oric over the years. But the thing is, I think Oric Lawson, his commentary through the Dutch pinball journey was a very fascinating one for me to read because he went from being a fan of Dutch pinball, he went from being confident in their abilities to getting off the ship and to ultimately seeing who these guys really were. And a lot of people, a lot of people went through the same sort of transformation as Auric. But when this happened, when Phil left, Auric wrote, I have talked to Barry and he's assured me he's carrying the torch and on top of it. My understanding is the license stuff isn't 100% finalized yet, but hopefully far enough along that it's just tying up loose ends. So I'm not worried. It's just the only area of concern for me with Phil out of the picture. Now, Oric was really on to something there. He had his finger on what was really going on was the licensing issues were once again not 100%. Do you remember what we said about Bob 2.0? How they didn't have the licensing all set before they started selling the game? All of a sudden, we're starting to see hints and rumors that maybe the same exact problem is happening with the Big Lebowski. And then another prolific Pinside member of the community that you know now as Mr. Josh Kugler, who's the coder at American Pinball. Now, this was before Josh was making games at American Pinball. Josh was just a member of the, the community. He was a fan of pinball. He did his Kugler family game. He chimed in when Phil left, and he wrote the following. Seems to be there are a lot of folks talking about Dutch pinball as if they really know what has gone on and what is going on. Of course, I'll probably be accused of the same in a moment. But based on what I know from conversations with members of the Dutch pinball team over the last year, Phil was not involved in getting the Lebowski license. And he had nothing to do with the great marketing splash at Expo a year ago, which was all Barry. Phil also had little involvement in the design of the game. I believe Phil spoke at Expo since the rest of the team felt he could do a better job than them, given that English is not their primary language. Of course, whether or not he did a better job is certainly up for debate. While I believe Phil leaving was a surprise, in the real scheme of things, him leaving is basically a non-event, a non-issue for Dutch Pinball and the Big Lebowski. Nobody, I love what he says here, Mr. Josh Kugler said, no one should be making a decision to get in or out of the Big Lebowski based on Phil. Now, I know it's easy for me to read these things in 2020 and look back at moments like these and say, Josh Kugler, you were 100% wrong. If people got refunds when Phil left and kept their money out, people would have saved their money. Those people, Josh, lost their money. And a lot of people stayed in because a lot of people were like Josh, convincing us that everything was all right. And why was he convincing us everything was all right? Because he says it himself. He had conversations with Barry and team. 
They swept under the rug Phil's involvement in the company as if it was nothing and everything was going to go according to plan with or without Phil. The important note here is, is we see this behavior time and time again, where the community and people like Josh and Oric, they, their initial response is they want to take the side of the pinball manufacturer. They don't want to believe the whistleblower or the people that are raising the red flags. And we see this time and time again throughout this period of boutique pinball failures is that oftentimes everyone comes to the defense of Barry or of Andrew Highway or of Kevin Kulik and convinces everybody that what they're doing is right and everything is going according to plan. And if we want our precious pinball machines, we should shut up and fall in line. And to put it simply, when, when Phil left, the attitude of Barry and company was, F Phil, we don't need him. He's just a marketing guy. Game is great. See you later. Everything's going to be fine. Now, we know that everything is not fine. So Phil's out as of November 1st, he sends this note. On November 6th, Dutch Pinball sends out another newsletter in which they announce Phil's departure and they wish him luck. And they also announced that they're going to have a VIP party in New York City at Modern Pinball, of which Brenda and Canada attended, and we had a great time at it. I hung out with Barry. I hung out with Scott Denisi. Remember, we were all excited. It's really easy for me to look at these things with hindsight, but we were excited to see the game, but something happened. And that date for that party, I believe, was December 12th and 13th. Now, this was amazing. This is it. This is when everything starts the... the I'll just say it, the shit hits the fan for Dutch Pinball during this New York City party. As the party is going on at Modern Pinball, as people are there being shown the game, as people are giving pre-order money to Dutch Pinball because they're looking at this game, Phil starts to refund people's money that night. I think it was like a Friday or Saturday night. People basically woke up to refunds from Dutch Pinball USA. But he doesn't just refund people. He starts to just tell all. And I've never seen an employee leave a pinball company and just transparently give you his side of the story. And it is a thing movies are made of. It, it is unbelievable the details that start to emerge from Phil as he explains why he left and what is really going on at Dutch Pinball. Now, at first he says, and this is right from Phil, I have been asking Barry and Yop to find someone to take over Dutch Pinball USA since November 1st. As you can all imagine, having my social security number on this company and its PayPal account puts me in a very uncomfortable position. Barry and Yop asked me to come on board several months ago when they were having some major difficulties with Universal Studios licensing. I had helped out since the Pin May Girl stealth campaign, but that was to make it official. They have been using unauthorized assets, screen grabs, other graphics, and have been using artistic renderings to make the translate. And Julie Margels, I think this is like the woman at Universal, was fed up with them pushing the limits. I also contributed on the game as well. Look around. If you see something that skirts the licensing but doesn't touch it, it was me. The movie sells. Center Playfield. I gave that idea to Barry from the scaffolding of our house during the renovations. The white Russian light up on the plane. He then goes on to share an email that he got from Universal regarding the big Lebowski. And it says, hi, Phil. I've been swamped and I'm catching up on emails and voicemails. 
I'm very pleased that you are stepping in to help. It sounds like that will aid in getting this project on a good trajectory. I don't think our frustration has stemmed from any cultural differences. Our frustration arose from their lack of understanding that the Big Lebowski assets are restricted to the approved set we have, and that while additional talent approvals are possible for most of the cast, they are just not possible for John Goodman. Frankly, I'm worried that Dutch Pinball does not understand what an artistic rendering is. Now, what they mean by that, if you saw the Big Lebowski playfield, there were a bunch of items on it that they, they didn't have permission. They didn't have permission for the songs. They didn't have permission for the Kahlua bottle, the Time magazine cover. They had the marijuana leaf, the gun, a lot of these things. John Goodman's image, his face, his clips, no permission to use those things when they were parading this game around and taking pre-order dollars. And Phil just got fed up. That's what happened. When he saw it in New York and realized they were still showing stuff that wasn't approved or allowed to be showed, he just lost it. But there's something else that he talks about now that really starts to show the Ponzi scheme behavior of Dutch Pinball. Because a lot of people will ask this question, where's the money, Lebowski? Where did the money go? That is a question people will ask for years to come with this Dutch Pinball tale. And Phil, he starts to highlight how they manage their money, and the way in which they conducted business. And we're going to get to that right now. So one of the things Phil says, and, and this is a really important moment in, in this Dutch pinball story, is he says that there was 60,000 euros in a Dutch pinball account, or $60,000 that was given to Dutch Pinball USA for Bride of Pinbot 2.0 kits. So this is all the pre-order money for BOP. And remember we heard from 85Vet and said he was worried that our pre-order money was going to go to funding the Big Lebowski. So Phil says that Barry took the $60,000 out of the account. He writes, Yop and I realized that we had no choice but to put back the money ourselves. I started buying parts from all over the world on my credit cards. Ship stuff on my personal FedEx account. All to cover his theft. Now that's his word, not mine that Barry stole the money that was meant for Bob 2.0. He writes, keep in mind, Yap and I had nothing to do with Bride 2.0. This was a Cone Barry project, but we knew if this thing didn't ship, nobody would buy the Big Lebowski. I could overlook the Bride thing. Barry needed money and we weren't making any. But when I got to Chicago, I got pissed. You may have noticed Kahlua and Time on the Playfields both not authorized by their respective owners. Those call-outs from the actors, not approved by Universal. In fact, the entire playfield wasn't improved, and yet there we were. And I wasn't told any of these things would be here. So my concern is this. If Universal pulls the license, and I've been paying for crap load of bills, and Barry's been pulling out cash, sometimes as much as $6,000 per month, and my social is on this business, yeah, that's not a good place to be. Wow. I mean, this is all this is all word for word what Phil says, okay? He gets asked a lot of questions. What's crazy is Phil is saying all this stuff in the forum, on Pinsight. He's not hiding. It's, it's, it's like a man with nothing to lose. And he, he does this email in which he addresses everyone's issues. And I want to go down a list. He had 10 points that I want to read to you right now. Number one, 
Am I unhirable? Really? Thanks. Number two, how much of the bride money did Barry spend? He writes, all of it. I had to buy parts from scratch. Number three, the callouts were not approved. For months, I asked Barry to send me an Excel spreadsheet of start-stop time codes, the clip, and the shot where it would be used so that I could upload it to Strata. I never got it, so no clips were ever approved. That does not mean they won't be, just that when I left, they were not even submitted for approval. When I got to Expo, I had never even seen a working The Big Lebowski before. Number four, me being in control of the money. I have no access to any of their order histories. Dutch Pinball USA doesn't get new payments. In fact, I have no clue who the existing customers are. I don't have access to Square. My Dutch Pinball email address was on it and my social is stuck to it. If I didn't keep the PayPal login, I'd have absolutely nothing, but I would still be liable for the company. I'm sure the Americans know that it's only because of my good credit that we could get and maintain a 1.7% rate on our charges. Number five, Kahlua. I think it would be even funnier to have an image of a, a Kahlua-ish bottle with a black duct tape over the label. It's a nice thank you for saying no. Number six, changes to the play field. Those are changes I was expecting, which means the status is conceptual in strata and not even in the pre-production phase. That means making a prototype is a violation and given the history there, could put the license in jeopardy. Number seven, my responsibility to find a replacement. Barry's been telling me to wait. He's got an idea. He's taking care of it for six weeks now. Sorry, but I had one of my mini vacations already and I have another vacation on Tuesday and I'm out of it for a while. Now he's talking about his cancer treatment. Number eight, it's okay, so it's my responsibility. If that's what he says now, is there anyone here who would take over Dutch Pinball USA? You'll be in charge of the Park Ridge office, Skype, the entire PayPal balance, and in charge of all US sales. Serious inquiries, PM me. All right, he goes on to talk about balancing his personal life with this thing. He also drops a really, really interesting clue to what game number two would have been. And he talks about how he gave Barry this idea and how to shoot the ball up the middle in a way in which it could measure to make sure you got to 88 miles an hour to light the flux capacitor, which had everyone super excited that he had spoiled that game number two was going to be back to the future. Do you remember this stuff? This is all part of this story. Now, how awesome would it have been if the creative mind that brought us the Big Lebowski was Back to the Future? Now, knowing Barry and his tactics, he probably would have made Back to the Future without having permission to make any of it. And then he would have run into the realities of, of a Steven Spielberg license and we never would have seen the game. All right, so, so Phil Gate is really how 2014 ends for Dutch Pinball. And you got to admit, I mean, it went from the excitement of Expo to Phil Gate completely blowing up the enthusiasm for this game and started to create an aura of anxiety and hesitation by people. But, but I'll give this to Barry and Yop, they do the smartest thing imaginable. It's clear that Phil's main issue with the Big Lebowski are licensing deals. And so they go... And they get the smartest man in pinball when it comes to getting licensing deals done. They get Mr. Roger Sharp to join Dutch Pinball to help them negotiate with Universal. And Roger Sharp pulls off a minor miracle. And not only does he get 
everything you want, he gets John Goodman into the game. And so, you know, they had to do some compromising on the music, which was okay. Instead of having the actual artists sing the songs, they did recreations of the music, which worked out fine for people. But for the most part, this is good news. It all of a sudden starts to feel like Phil's explosion is a thing of the past. And as we start with 2015, we're looking at a, an approved play field from Universal, and they put out an announcement on February of 2015 that the play field has been approved by Universal. Now, when they put out this announcement in February that Universal has approved the play field thanks to Roger Sharp, they also tell people that they are testing machines and prepping them for production and that everything is still on track delivering the first Big Lebowskis in Q2 of 2015. That's amazing to me that they were still telling people Q2 of 2015. Now, right about this time, not everybody was excited to stay on the train. And so something happens on Pinside that really is interesting. So someone inquired about getting a refund. Now, this word refund is the biggest nightmare word for Barry and Yap. It's the biggest nightmare word for John Papaduke. It's the biggest nightmare word for Andrew Highway. It's the biggest nightmare word for Kevin Kulik. When you are a pinball company that is running a Ponzi scheme-like company where you need new money to pay for the old games you sold, the thing you can't afford to do is give people refunds. At all costs, you need to keep people's money locked into the company. If everyone asks for refunds, your company goes under. We saw what happened to Andrew Highway when that happened. And look, how many of you asked for refunds from Stern Pinball? How many of you have asked for refunds from Jersey Jack or refunds from Spooky, right? It's, it's not a typical practice for people to give a company a money and then want it back. Because the reason we give the money in the first place is we really want the product. And that's the sad thing about this entire story is everyone really wants the Big Lebowski game. But sometimes people, they see stuff happening like Phil leaving and they don't feel confident about hitting that Q2 2015 deadline. And so people want a refund. And so what I want to read for you now is the story of a man who asked for a refund for his friend on the Big Lebowski. I can't even pronounce his pin side name, but he writes... I'm asking for a friend, and I'm still very much in on the Big Lebowski. My friend wrote to cancel his pre-order because of some unexpected expenses with his startup. Yop responded that pre-orders were non-refundable after April 1st. He further said that this was clearly explained in the March email. From my understanding, refunds were to be available up until your machine goes into production and we have no word that production has begun in earnest. In addition, there have been no announcements I've seen that April 1st would be the date when funds are locked. For that matter, the last Dutch Pinball TBL newsletter I received was in February. Has the whole world gone crazy? Does no one care about the rules? And then Yop reaches out to this guy and offers him a refund minus 10%, okay? So here we go. We start to see this like how they handle this stuff. Now, they did promise you could get a refund until the production began. Let's not forget that word production because that word means everything in terms of how Dutch Pinball sees its refund policy and how consumers see its refund policy. 
So then Razorback86 writes, the FAQ on the website has been updated and the prior language regarding customer deposits being refundable has been removed. Now this is a major point in the history of Dutch Pinball. They got people to give them money. They took deposit money. They told people when they took their money that you could get refunded. And then they simply removed that language from their website. They removed it from the terms and conditions. They ostensibly changed the rules midway through the game. Now you tell me if that's fair. You tell me they should have been allowed to do that. And I said this before, Oric Lawson, who's been following this, he chimes in and says, that's some weak shit. I mean, they're about to build the game. They've ordered the parts fine, but say so. I love the pin and what they're doing, but they're such god-awful communicators. And it's said explicitly in the Dutch pinball terms and conditions, will I get my money back if I want to cancel my order? And this was the agreement everyone agreed to. Word for word, this is what Dutch said. Yes, you will receive a full refund if you cancel your order. Please note that since we are shipping on a first-come, first-served basis, if you do cancel your order, you will lose your place in the production line. Once again, playing off people's FOMO to keep people on board. All right. Now, here's the thing. Remember, they, they were still telling people Q2 2015 is when this game was shipping. So April 1st seemed like by, by April 1st, parts should have been ordered, manufacturing should have started, and that is why they were going to say that production had begun so you can't get your money back. Now, the original poster who wanted a refund, here's what happens. And remember this pattern. Remember this cycle. Remember what the master manipulators do when they start to see people complaining and getting the crowd going. What do they do? They'll make one person happy to silence the majority of people that should also be skeptical about getting a refund. So ultimately, the guy that posted saying my friend's looking for a refund, they just gave him a full refund. And he writes, update, he got a full refund. The DP team are good guys, and I believe in them. They might make a few mistakes, but overall, they have done a great job for a small team, especially considering that they had to clean up after a mess they never asked for. BOP 2.0 is a transformative product. It's quality in terms of hardware and software surpass my expectations and they continue to support it with meaningful improvements. I have no doubts the Big Lebowski will be the same. You see what I'm saying? You see how they do this? You see the, the ability for these guys to spin and to go from uh, having someone who's angry and anxious to, to becoming a new cheerleader for them. They made fans into fools, people. Reading this now, it's hard for me to read some of this because it just they turned everyone into a fool. The other important thing to take away from this period in Dutch Pinball of April 1st, 2015, is that in Barry and Yop's mind, production had begun. Because as long as they could say production had begun, then they could say, well, you don't get a refund because we've started producing the Big Lebowski. But was that true? Had they actually started producing the Big Lebowski April 1st of 2015? Well, we're about to find out because this story gets even stranger as we look at what happened. So again, this came from hours of me digging through the tale of the Big Lebowski. And what happens next, they never could have foreseen that someone would go on a trip and actually ask to stop by the Dutch pinball facilities 
to see how things are going, to see if Big Lebowski's are being produced. Now, I want to read you this story because it's really interesting of a man who is on a business trip who simply hit them up about stopping by. And I'm going to read it word for word. And this is Pinside user H.J. Bondar. He writes, I'm reporting on my experience with Barry and Dutch Pinball, leaving the interpretation of meaning to the form at large. Background. On January 13th, I found out I might be traveling to Amsterdam, which brought me tantalizingly close to Dutch Pinball. Full disclosure, I have high interest in the Big Lebowski, but do not have a deposit down to see if it would be possible to drop in and hopefully flip a few balls. Much to my surprise, I received a very quick 20 minutes, a very positive reply welcoming me to come by. I was clear with Barry that my hidden agenda was to get to play the game and that I would be happy to report on my visit to this forum. He was fine with that and suggested I do so after I visit. As time approached, I kept up an active dialogue with a still very inviting Barry. He told me he was going to be at the facility on the day of my visit and said to call me on the way. I emailed him to let him know I was headed to the facility. I gave him my associate's number in case he needed to call and headed to Dutch Pinball. Along the way, we called Barry's cell three to four times with no pickup. We got to the address and found no signage. Luckily, a few guys were coming out of the building. We asked about Dutch Pinball. One of them said to follow him, and he took us inside. Inside, no one from Dutch Pinball was to be found. My associate, being the clever guy he is, texted Barry to say he was at the facility and wanted to buy a machine. He received an immediate return call. My associate explained that he was with me Barry said he was not there because he took ill. My associate said he sounded fine, but that someone else from DP should be there, but that was not the case. The facility was a large modern steel-sided building. They clearly were actively manufacturing something. I was not at liberty to walk around, but can say that there was no The Big Lebowski's visible and nothing that looked like parts to assemble one nor anything that looked like an assembly line. I would have at least expected an apology email from Barry, but none received. I'm reporting this to the best of my recollection and leaving any interpretation or emotions out of it, as I agreed to do with Barry. This was my post-visit report. Let's deconstruct that for a minute. Barry says he's going to meet a guy there. He doesn't show up. He doesn't answer the guy's phone calls. His friend text Barry that he wants to buy the game, Barry immediately picks up. Do you understand the kind of person we're dealing with? Do you understand the character of these individuals? And that's why, that's why I've spent so many hours finding these examples because without these examples, without these anecdotal stories, you will never get the full picture from these gentlemen. And it's also why I don't want to interview Barry. I don't want to interview Yap. Their story is already been told. Their story of who they are and who they are as people, I don't want to hear who they are from them. I don't want to give them a chance to rebut this stuff. This stuff happened. And it happened to community members. It happened to people like you and to people like me. And sometimes it's easy to forget this stuff. It's easy to brush this stuff under the rug. It's easy to have revisionist history and just cheerlead what he's doing right now by selling people's games out from underneath them. 
and I won't let that happen. And I know a lot of you think Canada's Pinball Podcast is just an irreverent ranter, but I'm telling you, I want to capture the true story of these companies and how it actually went down. And this is not me making up these things. This is not me putting my opinion here, but this is a great tale that explains the character of Barry and how he deals with these customers during this time period. But immediately again, the apologists chime in. Pinside user SD underscore Tom, he writes, I don't feel there is a lot to take away here. Wandering around unescorted around the building three to four months at the earliest before anything is going to ship while they're in the middle of an internal crisis? Sure, if there was something to see, that would be a huge positive, but I don't think the lack of something is automatically negative, if that makes sense. He should have apologized, though, for inviting you and then bailing. So Barry's excuse is he was sick, right? Now, this love affair with Dutch Pinball, after this happens, it's starting to evaporate, and you're starting to see more and more people say, like, that doesn't seem right. Like, that's a jerk move. Like, what are you doing? Pinside user Mr. Gone writes, wow, just wow. Barry, are you reading this? Dude, pull your head out of your ass. Get games made ASAP or give back the money and throw in the towel. You, sir, are not looking good here at all and need to deliver ASAP or get out of the game. And a rug and a t-shirt will not buy you any more time. You are leaving a bad impression on pinball. Even Oric chimes in, right? Oric used to be the biggest champion. He chimes in and is basically like, this is not how you communicate with people. You don't bail on someone like this. And he writes, so glad I got off this crazy train. Pre-ordering games is just insanity. Now, an important note here, and this is like another similarity we will see with all these crooked pinball boutique companies, and that is their inability to ever really show progress on the home front. Right? They never really want you to come to their facility to see how things are going. They often will show up at shows and expos and seminars. They'll bring prototypes out into the world and they'll walk around like rock stars, shaking hands, signing translates, posing for photos, doing all sorts of interviews. But when you ask to see how manufacturing is going, when you ask to take a tour of their production facility, how quickly they don't show us anything how quickly they go silent, how quickly the content stops appearing. And we've seen this with Andrew Highway. Remember his factory tours? He would always have empty factories with no workers on the line, with no heat on, people wearing like winter jackets with long screwdrivers. John Papaduke's factory was just an artistic workshop with all of Zombietti's amazing artwork everywhere, but it looked nothing like a pinball manufacturing facility. Kevin Kulik at Skit B, this was my favorite. When people asked to see photos of, of his manufacturing, he showed us a picture of his mom's kitchen where he's hand-painting red skulls for Predator. An Arnold Schwarzenegger movie turned into a pinball machine. One of the biggest licenses is going to be manufactured out of Kevin Kulik's mom's kitchen. And yet, people didn't even bail then. You know, there's another new company too that we haven't seen anything in terms of their manufacturing. Wait, we see the game. Show us how you're going to make it. Now, what did I say the master manipulator does? How does he flip the script on everybody? He takes people who are upset. He takes people that are anxious. And he gets them to become cheerleaders. Now, remember that gentleman who talked all about how Barry stood him up? Well, what happens? Barry reaches out to him. And we have an update. And he says, Barry reached out to me 
a few times over the past few days via email and phone. We finally connected today. He graciously offered to reach out to my associate to apologize personally, which I expect to happen in the next day or two. For those who might have been expecting me to try and leverage the situation for more, this is all I really cared about. I would also add that I received and accepted his explanation and apology to me. It came across as completely sincere. We spoke for about 15 minutes and it left me with a much better feeling about the direction of the company and the fact that their primary focus is on getting the game produced. He clearly has a lot going on, but seemed to have his head on straight. There was no indication that he was fronting a company on the run. That's just my personal assessment, and only time will tell. So all's good again, right? This cycle continues. People who are now unsure, he calls them, he emails them, he gets them back on the train. It's amazing. I mean, it's it's like we see it over and over and over again. Do you think if you had a meeting with George Gomez, he would just blow you off and not show up, not be at the door? Absolutely not. So we're still in 2015. And then another newsletter goes out on March 9th, 2015, in which Barry and Yap, they talk about the, the rug edition and how they're doing all this quality control testing. I'm not going to read all of this. So another newsletter goes out. It's March 9th, 2015. And this newsletter, I'm not going to read the whole thing. They talk about how they're quality controlling the game, but they still say at the very beginning, we are preparing for the production of our first run and expect to deliver the first Big Lebowski's in Q2 2015. Now keep in mind, January, February, March. March is the kind of end of Q1 2019. So this newsletter is going out to people in which he's saying in the next few months, you're going to get a Big Lebowski machine. Now, I just want to stop and say this for the record, that Barry and Team Dutch, they knew that there was no way they were manufacturing games in a few months and getting them to customers. They did not have manufacturing lined up. They did not have the ability to get the games out to people at this point. The parts weren't made or they weren't ordered. And yet the newsletter made it sound like everything was still going according to plan. So it is this period in sort of early 2015, middle of 2015, we start to hear another entity enter into the Dutch pinball picture. And it's an entity that will be known by three letters, A-R-A. Now, A-R-A is the contract manufacturing company that Dutch pinball has partnered with to manufacture the Big Lebowski. Now, I'm not quite sure when the exact date of that partnership is formed. If that partnership was formed at the beginning of 2015, and if they were confident ARA could make these games by Q2 of 2015. But what we learn later on is that ARA was contracted to make the Big Lebowski pinball machines uh, and to make 300 of them by the end of 2015. And what clearly happened is ARA, a company that hasn't made pinball machines before, and Dutch Pinball, another company that hasn't really made pinball machines before at scale, delays occurred. And they had to learn together how to get this thing off the ground, and there was just no way they were ever going to get games out the door Q2 2015. They may not have, look, to be fair to them, they may not have known they'd miss it by so much, but they were never going to get it all together uh, when these March newsletters were going out for Q2. 
But we really don't hear about ARA at all in 2015. We really, really don't. So what we do know is this. And, and again, I'm, I'm going to jump forward a little bit for, for your own sanity. No games come out in Q2 of 2015. They, they just don't come out. And we are starting to get to Pinball Expo 2015. And there's a seminar there. So we, we get to Expo 2015 and, and Yap is there and Yap takes the mic and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play the audio, but for the most part, you know, Yap is always very cavalier and jovial about this whole thing. He tells the story about the licensing and how he didn't really understand when Universal was suggesting that they do stuff. He just thought those were suggestions and he could avoid them and, and he was gonna do it his way. And everything gets a chuckle. Everyone stills laughing because this beautiful machine is always next to these men. And people, even though that it's been delayed, pinball delays, people are used to. Because you're for, you have to remember the context of the Big Lebowski missing its ship date wasn't just them missing ship dates. Jersey Jack Pinball was making people wait for years. John Papaduke was making people wait for years. Kevin Kulik was making people wait a really long time. Every single boutique pinball company was defined, not by what their games were, it was how long did you have to wait to get their products. So as pinball enthusiasts, we weren't used to this, right? We weren't used to this, like you give people your money, you wait like years. But now people were getting used to it, and it almost became like a running joke within pinball is, well, when's the next date they're going to miss, right? This is the period in which Andrew Highway is telling everybody two weeks, two weeks, two weeks to get your aliens, right? And it's and those dates come and go, and it almost becomes part of the, the normal behavior of pinball companies to set things and then miss things in terms of ship dates. So we don't get the big Lebowski by the end of 2015. And a newsletter goes out December 14th of 2015 in which Dutch Pinball says to everybody they're doing tests on the boards and that they now expect they will start shipping the Big Lebowskis in Q1 of 2016. And it would be a great start to a new year if they did that. So then 2016 begins to feel like the year it's finally going to happen. We're finally going to see people get their Big Lebowskis and unbox Big Lebowski machines. Now, here's the thing. We will see that moment in 2016. It will happen. But again, much like the excitement of when they showed the game at Expo, the Dutch pinball excitement windows are so small. The moment it starts to look like there's a light at the end of the tunnel for all of these people who pre-ordered the game. Now remember, they got two to 300 pre-orders on this game. So we're not just talking a small chunk of change. We're talking a lot of people. And by this point, we're well past April 1st, 2015. So everyone's $8,500 is locked in. Now they do announce something at Pinball Expo 2015 that they will have two distributors handling sales of Big Lebowski. It will be Cointaker and it will be Nitro Pinball. And so if you wanna get a game, you can order through your distributor. Now, little did we know that people who ordered through their distributors would be the only people that would be protected and would later on be able to get refunds. Because if you ordered from Cointaker, they held on to the money instead of sending it all to Barry. But if you ordered directly from Barry, your money was with, with him and Yop, and you were, you, you, good luck. You were never gonna get a refund when, when, the, when the shit hit the fan. But there's good news to start 2016. It, it, it's, it's looking really bright. In February of 2016, Dutch and ARA, they invite people to tour the facility. 
And this is a legitimate facility. Everything looks great. You've got this really clean, highly polished contract manufacturing facility. You see all the parts. You see the games being assembled. You see finished games. And it's like, my God, they did it. They figured it out. They are at the point now in which games are going to start to go out. And it's at this point, Dutch Pinball and ARA start to announce what their plan is for ramping up production. I'm not going to go into all the details, but ostensibly they have a a multi-week plan in which they're going to make three games, four games, six games, building up to the point in which they can make 10 games a week. And that's their target. And then they also announce that when they can get up to 10 games a week, they're going to be shipping games in batches. So when we have 40 games, I believe it was, 40 games is enough to put into one container to send to America. So they told people, we're going to wait until 40 games are built, then those games will go overseas. But at the very beginning, when they finally do figure out production with ARA, they also gave some early customers the opportunity to get their games sooner. And they could pay a $1,450 air freight charge to have their game shipped directly to them. And we see some of those early achiever guys do it. Because remember, like a lot of these guys have deep pockets. So some of those guys do it. And those guys wisely do that because those air freight customers get their games first. The people that are in the second batch of games, we know the story. If you don't know the story, that batch never goes out. So at Texas Pinball Festival in March, Cointaker's there with a, with a finalized game. And there's nothing really new here. I mean, this, this looks good. ARA is on board. Here's the final game. A little anecdotal story for all of you. I went to TPF. I played Lebowski. I loved it. I was going back to the airport. I was outside the hotel, the embassy suites, and there's Mr. George Gomez. And he hops into my cab with me because I invited him to the airport. I said, George, you know, hop, hop in. I'll, I'll, I'll expense it. And we, we talked all about the show. And I asked him about the big Lebowski. And he said to me, he said, Chris, they're never going to make that game work. They're never going to make it work. And I was like, why? He's like, they're using a contract manufacturer. You can't contract manufacture in pinball and stay in business. There's just too many variables that will happen. And you're going to see it's not going to work out. And it's unbelievable to me that George Gomez in March of 2016, he probably was impressed by the game, but he probably also looked at this company like, cool, cool game. Talk to me when you figure out manufacturing. And he was right. He was right. Damn it. George Gomez is always right. Finally, the day comes April 15th, 2016, the big Lebowski pinball is shipping to customers. And they put out a newsletter. They show pictures of games in boxes. And this is the glorious day we've all been waiting for. Since the very moment they announced this game in 2013, it now is happening. A little over two and a half years later, games are in boxes and making their way to customers. And we start to see people unbox the Big Lebowski. So this is what's crazy too. So if you had money in on this game, At this point, you're doing backflips. What could possibly go wrong now? They found a manufacturer. The games are being made. The games are going in boxes. And and everyone started to do the math in their head. All right, if it's 10 a week, then I should get my game this month. And everyone was able to figure that out. But then, right away, it's like bad karma is following these gentlemen around. Then right away, all of a sudden, unboxings stop happening and people are waiting and people are wondering, where's my game? I heard you made another batch of 40. Why aren't they shipping yet? Why hasn't the container left for America? And then it happens. 
in the winter of 2016, something happens that I think defines this company and will always define this company and they will never be able to escape what happens here. And I think it defines the character of this organization. And I don't think it's something that people should forget. I really don't. Now, whether or not you forgive them for this, that's up to you personally. And they still have a long way to go to make up for what happens right here. It is in the winter of 2016 in which we get an update from Dutch Pinball. I'm going to read you this update. And knowing what we know now, it's impossible to read this update without immediately understanding what they're doing to us. I'm going to read it word for word. Now, remember, this is like October, November, and March, April, May, June, July, August, September. You know, people have gone like six, seven months after they announced this game was shipping without any real news, without getting their games. I mean, it's radio silence, people. And they say this to the community. With the holidays coming up, we would like to give you an update regarding the Big Lebowski production. Unfortunately, we are experiencing a delay in the current batch as we encountered a production error of the middle main board. The boards are produced in-house by our manufacturing partner, ARA. We noticed during test that there are several electrical breakdowns on the second batch of boards. ARA is investigating what went wrong and this has proven trickier than we all hoped. The good news is that the first production batch works fine, so there's no suspicious boards in the delivered games. Once ARA finds the mistake, we will unpack the games that are ready and replace the boards before shipping them. We really want to be sure that the game we deliver has a 100% working board. We wish you a great holiday and a happy 2017 with lots of pinball. Best regards, Team Dutch Pinball. What I just read to you, word for word, was a 100% lie. They lied to everybody. That situation was a lie. The board problem was all a lie. This was a complete lie to buy them time. And we know what was going on behind the scenes. It wasn't a board issue. And even this lie, if you think about it, is a bad lie. Why would the boards that already went out be completely fine and yet the boards in the second batch of games had an issue when those games were already boxed up and ready to go? I mean, think about it. Those boards were in a box. How did they know all 40 of those boards were faulty but yet the first 40 were good? Because if you think about it, when you make boards, you don't just make 40 at a time. They probably made like 300 of them. So it's a complete lie that they caught something on the board and those are good, but these ones have got a problem and, and figuring out the problem is trickier than we thought. Now, you know what's trickier than they thought? You know what the trickiest thing would have been? It was really tricky for these guys to figure out how to tell the truth about what was really happening and what was really happening behind the scenes because we know how this story plays out is that they owed ARA money is that the amount of money it was costing ARA to make each game was more than both parties thought. Now, I'm not going to get into a he said, she said over, over this whole thing. We will go through right now what the reality was behind the scenes during Q2 and Q3 of, of, of 2016. But it was not a board issue. And they lied to everybody. 
And I don't think a lie like that is something you easily overcome. And what's really annoying about the lie that they did is you're going to see as we get the details of what was happening with ARA is that Barry and Yap could have given customers a chance to fix the issue with money because money was always the issue. But instead of giving their customers an opportunity to pay more and get their game and get production restarted, they lied to their customers. They let their own egos and their own pride get in the way of this entire thing. And the point that they missed is this. It was the customers. It was the fans of the Big Lebowski who funded Dutch Pinball. It was never their money. It was your money. It was those 300 people who believed in this game that gave them money. And if they needed to pony up a little bit more money to get their games out, they should have allowed those people to make the decision on whether or not they would add more money to the mix to make ARA happy and get games back on the line. And the saddest thing is this thing could have been handled right away, right away. Instead, they said nothing for months and they made people anxious. I mean, there are people emailing Barry and Yap, hey, can I just like, can I just pay for my game and can you just ship it to me with a bad board and then just send me the board? I just want to have something. It was amazing too, after they lied, how good they were at continuing the lie and continuing to manipulate the community. Pinside user FoxTJ24 wrote, I had a chat with Yap this morning. It is still the same board as you holding everything up at ARA. Also talked to Melissa at Cointaker. I guess ARA are a pain in the ass to work with. They insisted the old board will be good. That delayed getting the new one in the works. Barry and Yop supposed to be at TPF along with Cointaker. I, I asked if they will still be making machines without the boards. Instead of sitting idle, she will find out. I can't believe that Barry and Yop would tell Melissa that ARA is a pain in the ass. That because ARA is being stubborn, they did not get to work on a new board. That's all a lie. It's all a lie, people. And they continued the lie. And Barry was lying too. It wasn't just Yop. This is from Bemmett. You know him, Pinside user Bemmett with the Green Bay Packer icon. He writes, for what it's worth, I had Barry on the phone this past weekend for help with his game because this guy got a game. He air freighted his. I did ask him about the time, about the bad boards, and he said it was resolved and the games were getting updated. Not sure I got any specific time frame. However, so I apologize. Also, the code will be dropping soon. I completely agree with most in here. They need more public communication, especially to people who have orders pending. So here's what's crazy. He tells Bemmett that they resolved the issue. They didn't resolve the issue. Another lie. But think about it. Now he's got Bemmett a member of Pinside telling everyone who's really anxious about their money being tied up with these guys, if they're going to get a game, hey, they, they figured it out. Problem is solved. But, he, but it wasn't. You know, and then you had guys like Rubber Ducks who were following this story for a really long time. You have a guy like Rubber Duck and he's chiming in saying, the Dutch don't do this. You can be glad of that at least. And he's referring to like ripping people off. He says, I don't have a horse in the race. But the above was one of the factors in determining why I felt I'd be more confident buying new in box from Dutch Pinball than anyone else after the Dutch Pinball weekend. No stench of bullshit and no evasiveness or lies or half-truths. 
as Robert Ducks was writing this, saying that he bought from the Dutch because they're honest and no lies. And everything he was responding to was a lie. They turned fans into fools. That is the takeaway of this company. It always will be. And it's also what's happening right now. And we're going to get to that. They are turning more of their fans into bigger fools than ever before with the racket they pulled in 2019-2020. But we'll get to that. So ultimately, Dutch can no longer hide behind this lie. Ultimately, we get the full story. And it, it starts to trickle out. And they, there's a newsletter from Dutch that we finally get. And it says, we sincerely want to apologize for the radio silence. The reason is we had no news to share. There is an issue with our partner ARA which we are trying to resolve. As soon as we have news, we will let you know. And it becomes a lot of that for weeks and weeks and weeks, which adds up to months and months and months of the same type of update that's a no update, a non-update update from them. And people get tired of waiting. And then the bombshell drops. It's not Dutch that tells you the truth. ARA emails Dutch pinball buyers because they're reading on Pinside. This slanderous stuff that Dutch is saying about ARA, saying the boards are the issues. These guys won't fix the boards. And they're like, enough of this BS. We're simply going to email and tell people the truth. And an email goes out to Dutch pinball buyers and it says the following. We hereby inform you that ARA in October of 2016 has put a stop to the production and delivery of Dutch pinballs, The Big Lebowski. The reason for this step is the fact that Dutch Pinball is not willing and able to meet its payment obligations to ARA. Contrary to what has been published in December 2016, there never has been a problem in parts for production of pinball machines at ARA. Already produced and complete pinball machines can be shipped immediately by ARA once Dutch Pinball has met all of its payment obligations. I mean, who do you believe in this scenario? Who do you believe? And, and look, Barry and Yop were out there. Once this hit, they were out there immediately trying to respond and spin this. So they then write, we are informed that ARA is spreading news about this issue. So we will do the same. Our contract manufacturer with ARA stipulates the delivery of 300 games in 2015 for a fixed price per game. Besides the enormous delay we had to accept well over a year, ARA is now demanding an additional amount per game, and the amount they give is 1,000 euros per game. This is unacceptable, as you will understand. After numerous attempts to work things out with ARA, they have refused to honor their commitments as described in the contract. We therefore refuse to pay their bills and are thinking about starting legal procedures against ARA and collectively every single person who had money with Dutch Pinball around the world just said, fuck. We are now gonna get into a legal situation. Our games are sitting there waiting to get out and now they're gonna sue the people that are making the games. But even more frustrating as I was saying is, so let your customers pay the thousand euro difference, Dutch. If they had simply let people pony up more money, they would be able to get their games. Let's say it was 1,500 US dollars more. That brings the total of the machine to $10,000. So what, people would have paid that and got their games in 2016 and we would have had none of this mess. 
And these games were packed. Looking back on these games now, they're totally worth 10 grand with everything that's in them, with the theme integration. People are spending $12,500 on games right now. The same game, it's the same game. How much is a Big Lebowski in 2020? $12,500. If you were in for 8,500, you don't even get your game now. You've got to spend an additional 125 if you were an early achiever who didn't get your game. And so now you are in, are you ready for it? You have to spend $21,000 to get a game that you could have got for $10,000 had Dutch Pinball not lied to you, had Dutch Pinball just told you the truth of what was happening with ARA, and if Dutch Pinball had simply let their investors, which was the customer, if they had let their customers decide what to do to get out of the issue with ARA. Did they ever do that? Did they ever allow the shareholders and the stakeholders of Dutch Pinball to determine the trajectory of the company? The answer is no. And they screwed everybody over by using ego. They just anticipated how unacceptable we all would feel. And because they were offended by ARA wanting more money, they simply walked away from figuring out a solution. And then we go into this period. You know, it's crazy. We're at a point now where all this is going down. And what's nuts about it is we're still like in 2017, right? We're three years prior to today. And we're going to get to the end quicker than, than, you, than you can imagine because I'm, I'm, you know how this story goes, but I'm going I'm to give you the highlights. So what, is, what do Barry and Yop do? So at first they're like, all right, we're walking away from ARA. We're, we're, we're going to sue these guys. Every single person who's got a deposit is still like so bummed out and doesn't have any faith in these liars anymore. And then they have a plan. They show up at Texas Pinball Festival 2017 and Yop is up there with this new plan. He's going to raise money by creating a new game, a Bride of Pinbot 25th anniversary game. He's calling it a super limited edition 25th anniversary game where he's going to make 150 Bride of Pinbot 3.0s and he's going to charge you $12,500 for those games. And if he can sell all of them, that will raise them enough money to finish the big Lebowskis or get Lebowski production going again. Does that not sound eerily similar to the current plan that is in place right now in which people have to buy $12,500 Big Lebowskis to get production going on the Big Lebowski? This was the 2017 plan, very similar to the plan now. The only thing is nobody bought into this Bride of Pinbot crap. Everyone had learned their lesson. There was no way they were going to sell any of those things. And that plan fails. So let's once again just quickly go back and, and put a Canada bow on, on, on the series of events by Dutch Pinball up to this point of 2017. They announced BOP 2.0. They used BOP 2.0 pre-order money to build the Big Lebowski prototypes. They show the Big Lebowski to get pre-order money. They need that Big Lebowski pre-order money to finish the BOP 2.0 orders. They sell more Big Lebowski pre-orders to fund re-engineering the game. They pay someone else in ARA to make the game for you. They failed to pay ARA what it actually costs. They lie to customers. They blame ARA. They announce a BOP 25th anniversary to make up the money. It doesn't work. It was never going to work. Okay. That brings us to 2017, and it's a dead year for Big Lebowski people up until Expo. Now, at Expo in October of 2017, Dutch Pinball announces that they have a plan that they are going to partner with a Chinese contract manufacturer called Zytec 
to manufacture the Big Lebowski. And not only do they have this plan in place, but they actually have all this video and footage of them training this Chinese staff to make the Big Lebowski. And not only that, to make you feel good, they've listened to the feedback from people who have the Big Lebowski that ARA made, and they are making changes to the boards to make them more reliable, easier to service. And the Zytec version of the game is actually gonna be the one that you want because it's going to incorporate these changes. And so that's what they announced at Pinball Expo 2017. We start to feel like we can end the year of 2017 with maybe there's some hope that they'll get this thing off the ground. And then what happens? Months and months of radio silence until we get the nail in the coffin newsletter. So we hear in May 19th, 2018, that they have been subpoenaed by ARA, which means they have to countersue and they have to get into the legal mess with ARA, which also means that they have to cease production of the Big Lebowski with Zytec, which is, I guess, part of the lawsuit. And that's it. This whole thing seems like it's over and it's done with for good. But wait, it's not over. And you know how this story goes. 2019 on Canada's Pinball Podcast, Canada starts to report that the Big Lebowski is going to come back out. And everybody calls Canada crazy, even though he's got two Twippy Awards at that time. Didn't have three yet. But I said, you are going to see the Big Lebowski ship again. And then it is confirmed. Yop and Barry, they let people know. It's more Barry right now. I think Yop is out of the company for health reasons. And, and, Barry, and, and Barry says that in newsletters. But he basically says ARA won the lawsuit. This is really how we hear the news. ARA wins the lawsuit and Barry has a conversation with them at the very end with the guy who's in control of it all over at ARA and they reach an agreement. And the terms of the agreement are not completely communicated, but ostensibly it's this. If they can sell those 40 games for $12,500 and that money goes to ARA, it's roughly around, I think it's roughly around like half a million dollars. They will give them all of the inventory. They will get those games out to customers. But here's the catch. And you know the catch. Those 40 games were paid in full by early achievers. For this deal to work, for Barry to continue production of The Big Lebowski, he is not able to give those games to those early achievers. He has to sell those games to new buyers through Cointaker. And they quickly get gobbled up. I bought one. Why not? These games, remember, they were selling for like eighteen dollars to $20,000 new in box. And there was speculation that this would be it, that this guy would never figure it out, that he would never get production going again. And he might as well grab one of these because you'd have one of 80 in the world or 90 in the world, and they would always be worth a ton of money. So it was a speculator's dream to get access to these pinball machines. It was also, it made people feel terrible. You're buying someone else's machine. You are basically buying stolen property. Barry was stealing his own goods from his own customers and reselling them to new buyers. There's no way to spin it. There's no way to feel good about that. It's never happened before in the history of pinball, and it should never happen again. And then he realized, well, shouldn't I give early achievers a chance at getting these games first? And he allowed people to cut the line and pay 12.5. And again, as I said, those people had to go in for $21,000. And again, he turned fans into fools. And one of my friends, Charles Thomas, huge fan of this game, super like one of the nicest guys on the planet. He got his new game. He was getting his new game. He bought it again. He's in $21,000. 
And he's super confident that he's going to get his free game at the end of the run. Now, what did Barry tell people he had to do? The numbers he put out there are ridiculous. He's got to make somewhere like 400 of these games at 12-5 to get to the point where he can get all of the EAs who are owed games a game. Now, I'm not sure what the total number of EAs who have deposits with him that never got a game. It is well over 100 people. And so this is his plan, is to sell these higher-end versions of the game, these more expensive versions, to ultimately put enough money aside to make people whole. Now, I'll say this. This is a really crappy situation. Should he have a second chance at redemption? Should people have to buy their games a second time? We want people to be made whole. And this has always been the story of Dutch Pinball. And I think the final walk away, the end of this tale, we don't know where it ends, but we already do know where it ends. Because this will always be, this will always be the story of Dutch Pinball. It'll be a company of great promise, of incredible creativity and ingenuity, incredible machine that made everybody fall in love with the potential of this game. But the game itself stood for pain, it stood for agony, it stood for years and years and years of sleepless nights for people that are our friends. Years and years and years of sleepless night and anxiety and stress for the community. Because ultimately, it's not worth it. It's a toy meant to bring you enjoyment. And now for a lot of people out there, you don't just get to hit reset. And you don't just get to feel good about owning a big Lebowski. And this isn't the podcast that they want up. This isn't the story the way they want to tell it. In their eyes... They didn't really do anything wrong. Yes, they're like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have lied, but this is what we got to do to make people whole. And I'm here to tell you that, no, that's not how life is supposed to work. You're not supposed to ask for forgiveness. You're supposed to ask for permission. Do we have permission to charge you another $1,000 so you can get your game? If they had simply asked the permission of the people who gave them money, none of this would have happened. Now they want to go off and remake these games. And no one's going to stop them. And let's see how it turns out. But it'll never be what it could have been. You know, it's 2020. Barry is one of the most creative pinball designers ever. We should have been on to games two and three with Dutch Pinball. This is the kind of company that people wanted to see. This game is exactly what people want in pinball. It's, it, it, it delivers more than even Jersey Jack games. It's more direct. It's more in your face. It's more fun. It's exactly the way you want it to theme integrated. It's not a complex mess like a lot of Jersey Jack codes. And yet, it's never going to materialize. Dutch Pinball's story is one that is going to be shrouded with manipulation, with mistruths, but also with a beautiful game. You will always feel torn inside when you think about Dutch Pinball. You will always feel excited and sucker punched at the same time. And there's no way around it. This has been Canada's Pinball Podcast Expose on Dutch Pinball. I hope you enjoyed it. It took a long time to get you all this, to gather the pieces of the puzzle together. Everybody stay safe. And this is the kind of content I want to give you as you're home and you're making your way through this tough time. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. We have an obligation to our customers, to our VIPs. Some of the VIPs said, I lost my trust in Dutch Pinball. And that's okay. We understand that. Uh, Phil said, yeah, but I also want shares of Dutch Pinball BV. And we said, no, sorry. 
not gonna happen. And I think that's the reason, but we don't know. And we got a reply, I prefer you change this and this and this. Well, we're Dutch, you prefer, okay, so we left it. <laughs> and that is the difference between America and Holland. And by the way, we're Dutch. D Dutch and rules, they don't go well together. Does anybody care about the rules? Well, the Dutch don't. So if anybody here thinks Dutch Pimble is in financial trouble, why did we stop taking pre-orders then? And one of the things that we do, we take care of details. And we all love frustration. And we cannot make everybody happy. We try, but uh-uh, that's not gonna happen. A few months later, they said, ah, you have the, the right for the music, but not the original artist. That's not good news. Well, happens. Okay, that's also typically Dutch. Now I have the proof we can make a production machine, which is almost good enough to send to a customer. <laughs>